this morning we're reaping a harvest. Uh, Trevor grew up in the church. Um, the last time he preached here was probably four or five years ago. He preached a couple times as a, as a littler guy. Um, and so he was. I asked him if he'd share this morning, and he was more than willing. So I'm excited to hear what God has to share with us. All right. Uh, I'm going to start off with praying, and then we'll get into it. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for this time that we've had together in fellowship to learn about you, Father God. Um, I pray that you'd speak truth through me, Father God, your truth, not necessarily just mine, but yours, Father God, um, and that you would um, prepare good soil and and help me to uh, plant good seed, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So today... We're going to be in Deuteronomy, um, and so the, the book of Deuteronomy is written by Moses, um, and really the kind of the setting, the backstory for it, um, so the Israelites um, have wandered through the wilderness, and this is, Moses has led them through all of that, and um, now they're kind of coming to a place where Moses is transitioning you know, Joshua's going to be the new leader, so he's preparing the Israelites for that. Um, and he's kind of giving them a final sermon before they cross the Jordan into the promised land. Um, so he's, he's kind of giving them just a final um, words of wisdom, a, a sermon for them as they go over. He goes over the law again, but um, we won't get into that. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so we're going to be in, in, in Deuteronomy. There's a, there's a couple things that Moses really emphasizes in um, the first few chapters, uh, which is what we're going to be looking at. Um, so there's, there's three things that I really notice that he repeats over and over again. Uh, the first thing is to love the Lord your God. And he says that over and over, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Um, we see that over and over. Um, another thing that he says is to remember who God is uh, and what he's done. So he says, do not forget what the Lord has done. Um, remember God, remember what he's done for you. Um, and then the third thing is to not worship other idols. He said, don't take any other gods before me. Um, so the last two are the, the ones that we're going to look at. I'm, I'm going to focus on remembering who God is, not forgetting what he's done in our lives, um, and then uh, turning away from idols. And I think that can be kind of a weird one for us. As, as Americans, I don't think that we think that we struggle with idols, um, but I think that can be a deception for us. I think we really do. We, I think we struggle with lordship in general, even letting Jesus be Lord. Um, we're so independent and so self-sufficient that we can tend to forget that we do need a Lord. We do need a Savior. So it's weird to think that, you know, if we struggle with letting Jesus be Lord, how are we going to, why, why would we struggle with other idols? And I think that can be a deception from the devil, um, but I, I do think, you know, it, maybe we're not bowing down to a golden calf, but um, I think we do tend to have idols in our lives, and we'll get into that. Um, there's going to be quite a bit of reading this morning, um, because I really want to show the, the, and emphasize the repetition that Moses uses. He says it over and over again, and when we see that repetition, it really um, should jump out to us because it's important. Um, So we'll start off in Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'm going to read from 21 through 31. Um, Okay. I'll move over a little bit. 
Okay, so starting in 21. The Lord was angry with me because of you, and he solemnly swore that I would not cross the Jordan and enter the good, the good land the Lord your God is giving you as your inheritance. I will die in this land. I will not cross the Jordan. But you are about to cross over and take possession of that good land. So Moses, is, Moses doesn't get to, go to the Jor, uh, get to cross the Jordan and into the promised land um, because of the rock incident where he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. Um, so he's kind of identifying that. And we might see that there's still a little bit of a pride problem there. He said, because of you, um, I don't get across the Jordan. But that's kind of a different deal. So, again, in, in 23, be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So there's our first time of seeing that. Be careful to not forget the covenant, covenant your, the Lord your God has made with you. So he's saying, don't remember or don't forget who God is and what he's promised you, what his covenant is, his law. All these things, keep them on your mind. And I love that Angie gave her testimony this morning about what God has done. You know, that, that goes in line. You know, we're having communion today. We're remembering who God is and what he's done. And um, so uh, that's the first example of him. Um, saying to not forget God. And then right after that, it says, "For the Lord, um, do not make yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. We see the idea of God being jealous a lot, especially in the Old Testament. Um, but he doesn't, he's, he's Lord. Um, he doesn't want to compete with anything else. He's, he should be the most important thing in our life. Um, so 25. After you have children and grandchildren and have lived in the land as long, a long time, if you then corrupt and make any kind of idol, doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God and arousing his anger, I call the heavens and earth as witness against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The nations to which the Lord will drive... Oh, I skipped one. Uh, the Lord will scatter you among the people... And only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods. Um, there you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find Him. If you seek Him with all your heart and with all your soul, when you are in distress. And all these things have happened to you. Then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. So we see he gives the warning to be careful to not forget God. And, then he, and, and to not make idols for themselves. But then um, he kind of, you know, he, it's kind of foreshadowing that that they're going to struggle with this you know and, and we do see that they do struggle with idols they do struggle with forgetting who god is but there's still a promise there that but if from there you seek the lord your god so if you still continue to seek god even if you've fallen into that um forgetting who he is and making idols for yourself there's there's still a promise that god is a merciful god um and that he will not forget the covenant that that he's made with us so there's still redemption there. Um, 
Uh, so that's encouraging for us. If we if we fall into that, there's still hope, you know, that God is still merciful. Um, so our next is Deuteronomy 6, verses 10 through 15. And it's all this stuff is going to be pretty repetitive. Um, it's Moses is saying the same thing to the Israelites. Uh, so starting in this is chapter six, starting in verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you eat. Then, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. The Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. So again, we see that idea of remembering who God is. Do not forget what he's done. He brought you out of Egypt. You know, he put the plagues on the Egyptians. He forced Pharaoh's hand to um, let you go. He opened the Red Sea and... Closed it back up on Pharaoh. Um, he what led you through the wilderness, a fire, fire by night and a cloud in the day. Um, he gave you manna and quail. Um, and, you know, all these things that, that he did for the Israelites, he's saying, don't forget them. Um, because when we remember what God has done for us, um, there's faith in that. There's trust in that. And we're not going to fall into the mistakes that we made in the past. If we remember um, what God did for us, we're not going to uh, struggle with trust and, and faith in him if we just take a, a moment to remember all the good things that he's done. And um, I think it's important we read this and we see all the things that God has done for the Israelites. And we think to ourselves, how could they not, how, how could they struggle with faith and trust? I mean, the, the way that God presented himself to them, it was so tangible. It was so real. How could they ever struggle with forgetting that? Um, but I think that we see that too. Um, God is alive and, he, and he's, he does things in our life too. And we need to hold on to those. We need to remember them. We need to remember when God heals people of cancer. And we need to share that with other people because um, that will keep us um, having faith in, in who he is. Um, we also see in in this one that there's consequences for not obeying. So at, at the very end, it says he will destroy you from the face of the land. So when we don't when we take idols before God, there's consequences for that. And he is merciful and there is redemption also, but there's still consequences. And that's with all sin, idols, sin, whatever. If, if we're living that lifestyle of sin or or having idols, not keeping Jesus as the Lord of our life, there are consequences for that. Um, so, so it'd be a lot easier to just not, right? Okay. Uh, the next, again, this is repetitive. So, chapter eight, uh, we're going to go one through nineteen this time. Um, so, starting in chapter eight, verse one, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. 
Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. So, you know, them, them wandering in the wilderness, it was a consequence. They didn't trust God. They went and looked into the promised land and they came back and most of them said, yeah, it's an awesome land. There's these huge grapes. This is, it's awesome. But there's no way that we can, that we can beat these people. They're, they're huge. You know, there's no way. And, and a couple of them did say, you know, not, not us, but God can. But still, them not trusting God, them not having faith, them not remembering what God has already done for them. I mean, they defeated the Egyptians I guess. I mean, they got out of slavery there, and they were the most powerful at that time. So not remembering who God is put them in a bad position where now they had to wander. And so it's, it's still important to remember those, though. That was, that was a consequence, and God still took care of them during that consequence. But it's still rem- important to remember that lesson that you learned there um, to have faith in God. Um, so verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that a man, that as a man disciple disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks and and iron, where the rocks and, and are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when, you, when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the land of slavery. That sounds familiar to me. You know, we're in such a land of prosperity. We have so much. All that we need is um, met for us. You know, we're a, we live in a rich country where um, we are successful and we flourish. And it's easy to forget um, that it's not by our power, but it's by God's. And that's later in this verse. Um, that the things that we have, the blessings that we have, those come from God. Um, So 15, he led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you out. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble, humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors 
as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. So again, we see that idea of remembering who God is. We see that if you if you worship and bow down to other gods, that there will be consequences. He says that you will, surely you will be destroyed. Um, and then in the, in this one, we see that idea that our wealth and and our strength and the power that we have is not from us, but it's from God. He gives us the ability to produce wealth, um, and so. It's easy to become prideful, and I think pride can be one of those idols. You know, you can you be, you can become so proud of yourself and and the things that you've done and the great things that you've done with your hands, the wealth that you've um, pro- produced, um, and you can forget that it's God who gave you that, and then that can become more important to you than having Jesus as your Lord. And really, when we talk about idols. That's that's what I'm talking about. It's anything that you're putting before Jesus. You know, Jesus says that that he wants to be Lord of our life. And so if if other things are more important to us than Jesus and what he's spoken over us and his plans um, for our life, we have to question to ourselves what actually is the Lord of our life. Um, And that leads me to Matthew um, this is a story that's pretty familiar with, uh, to all of us. I don't have it in the slides, but it's in Matthew chapter 19. It's verses 16 through 28 if you want to look, look at it yourself. Um, but the, this is the story of the rich young ruler. So um, he comes to Jesus and he says, um, what do I have to do to receive eternal life? And um, so Jesus tells him to keep his commands. So he says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not uh, offer false testimony, you shall honor your father and mother, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And um, so the, then the man says, I, already, I do all that. Um, what do I still lack? How do I get that eternal life? And Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me, and you will have treasures in heaven. So... The, then the ruler goes away sad because he's a wealthy man. He has great wealth, so he'd be losing a lot. But the problem here is he doesn't acknowledge all that wealth, all that ability to produce that wealth. It all came from God. So that wealth isn't his. It's, it's God's. And so he's put that on the pedestal, his wealth, the things that he's produced, his riches. Those are the Lord of his life. Those are the most important things. So when Jesus says give them all up to follow me, he can't because that's more important to him than Jesus. And, you know, it goes on later and he's explaining it to his disciples and he says, surely I tell you that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that can be a scary verse because I think probably if you you look in terms of the whole world, we're all rich. You know, we're we're all rich. We all are living live in a land of prosperity, and um, so that idea that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for us to enter the kingdom of heaven can be scary. But really, it's just where you're positioning 
the Lord, uh, Jesus in your life? What is the Lord of your life? Um, we'll, read, we'll read in Romans later, but it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that idea of Jesus, that, that idea of lordship, Jesus is the Lord of your life, that's what it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know if God's going to tell you to sell all your riches um, to follow him, but if Jesus is truly the Lord of your life, that shouldn't be a problem. And um, that's easier said than done for sure. But um, just emphasizing that, that Jesus is Lord, there's nothing that comes before him. Um, so we're going to go back to Deut- Deuteronomy. This one will be a little shorter. Um, but another another example of repetition from Moses. So this is in chapter 9, verse 7. So... Uh, Remember this and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. Um, So again, this is a a lot of the other ones have been remember what God did for you, how he provided this for you. Remember how good he is, how his blessings have have followed you. Um, But this one's a little different saying, remember how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God. So remember how you made him mad when you made that golden calf? Remember how you made him mad when you didn't trust in him to um, enter the promised land? And I think that it's it's important for us to remember those times too. When when um, our mistakes have aroused the, the anger of God. Because we can learn a lesson from those too. So we don't need to... I think it's important to remember... Um, the blessings that God has for us, but it's also important to remember um, when we were disciplined and when when God um, disciplined us and the lessons that we learned from that. Um, uh, So one more, one more in Deuteronomy. Um, Chapter 11, this is verses 16 through 28. Uh, In 16, chapter 11, verse 16, be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that, you will, that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your heart and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on the gates so that, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. <clears throat> if you carefully observe all these commands I am giving, to, giving you to follow to the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. And you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of of you on the whole land wherever you go. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God 
and turn away and turn from the way that I commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. So we this kind of starts off with the idea of, you know, remember who God is and don't worship other other gods and share what you remember, you know. Share it with teach it to your children. Um, talking about them when you sit at your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So he's saying, remember what I've done and share it with other people. Tell your kids about it. Don't let it don't let it be lost with you. Continue it on through generations. Share it when you're walking around along the streets. So share it with your with strangers. Share it with your family. Share it with your church. Um, don't let what God has done be forgotten. Um, and again, we see the consequences of having idols. Um, so, again, it's if you don't, if you, if the Lord is your of your, is if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. In every place you go, you'll conquer. Um, but if you if you do turn to other idols, the, the Lord's anger will burn against you. And he will shut up the heavens so it won't rain and your your ground won't produce anything. So we see at the end, he's there's there's a blessing of positioning Jesus as the Lord of your life. And there's a curse that goes along with not. Um, so just another reminder of how important it is um, that we get this lordship thing right. That that the right thing is the head of our lives, the Lord of our life. Um, <clears throat> And it's our choice. There's, it's our choice whether or not we receive that blessing or that curse. We get to pick what's Lord of our life. It's it's only us. It's it's only us that gets to gets to choose that. So, um, I got something up here for Pastor Steve now. So, a little bit of math. You thought that since Pastor wasn't preaching today, you wouldn't have to deal with any of that. But I saw this on Facebook a couple. I think on Friday. Um, I and. You know, I, I'm kind of a math guy, too. I, I like math problems. So I see it, and I'm, I solve it, you know, the way they want me to solve it. So if you look up there, so we got our first one, 1 plus 4 equals 5. Okay, the next one is 2 plus 5 equals 12. That doesn't make any sense, right? That's, that's not how math works. But if you manipulate the equation and you make it A plus B times A equals C, you get your answer. So 1 plus Four times one, order of operations, we have to do four times one first, right? So four times one plus one is five. So two times five is ten plus two is twelve. So if you skip down to the bottom, we got five times eight is forty plus five equals forty-five. I think that's the answer they were looking for. Um, but so I, I saw it and I go on with my day. I was actually waiting for my shower to warm up. So then I get in the shower and, you know, a lot of times in the shower, that's when I do my best thinking, you know, when I... When I pray and when I when I uh, uh, listen to God, and so on Friday, I, I, you know, I'm preparing for the sermon, and so I'm that's kind of where my mind's at. Um, I'm thinking about what I'm, you know, what's God, what God has laid on my heart, and I just keep coming back to this math problem. And the more that I think about it, the more that I think, how stupid. Five plus eight is not forty-five. 5 plus 8 is 13, right? A plus B equals C. That's the equation. There is no, that's not 5 plus 8 times 5. It's 5 plus 8. And 
the, the stuff before, you know, that's a lie. 2 plus 5 does not equal 12. 3 plus 6 does not equal 21. That's a lie. And just because there's lies before where you're at doesn't mean that that changes the result. And so where I'm going with this, um, I think in the, in the mindset of remembering um, God, I think a lot of times when we go back and we reflect on what God has done for us, um, when we remember the things that he's done for us, it can get skewed. And I think the, the devil tries to deceive us. He tries to manipulate the equation. He changes what God has done. And when he does that, it, it produces a different result. It's, there's a different outcome, right? So, for example, you know, the Israelites, they were in captivity to, to the Egyptians. And God delivered that, them from that in an absolutely miraculous way. But, you know, maybe the devil comes back to the Israelites and says, you know, if God really loved you, he wouldn't have put you in slavery to begin with. Why, why were you in slavery? And if we go back, it's because of the things that they've done, right? But he can manipulate the way that we remember God. And so we have to be careful to not let the devil deceive us and, and change what God has done, done to us um, because it's not going to give us the result that's true. And um, God is truth. What he does in your life is truth. And so you can't let the lie change the outcome. And that's that's what I was getting at with that. Um, so so with that, I just you know, like I said before, um, we see all the things that God has done for the Israelites, and we think to ourselves, what fools! Honestly, I mean, how how have you seen all these amazing things that God has done for you? you know, the, the ten plagues, the all that. I mean, how how could you ever not trust God? For the rest of your life, have faith in everything that he does. And, but the fact that Moses emphasizes this so much, it shows that, that the Israelites do struggle with this. You know, they do struggle with remembering who God is and remembering it correctly, remembering it the way it really happened. And I think that that's a word for us too. God has done incredible things in our lives. God has um, blessed us. I mean... Well, I, we all have testimonies about what God has done. Um, and so maybe God is saying to us, fools, how can you not remember who I am? How can you not have faith in who I am? So I just want to share a little bit of what God has done in my life. Um, when I was, so this is a story my dad has told me, but when I was born, um, dad said that I was blue. I wasn't breathing when I was born. Um, and he he prayed over me, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. You will live and not die. And I lived, right? But he he truly believes that I didn't have breath in my lungs. I wasn't living. And so that's an example of what God has done. You know, and we can distort that we can change it we can say well it just took time you know it would have happened anyways i would have come to back to life anyways i wasn't actually dead i was breathing my face was just blue right you can change that you can deceive it but that's not truth the truth is i will live and not die and that's god's word um another one so 
when I was born, I had a hole in my heart. Um, and I don't know, I was a little over a year when, when we finally, we had to go get it fixed. And I had open heart surgery and they, they patched the hole in my heart. And I, I think kind of the, the, what the doctors believed was that I probably wouldn't be quite right. Um, I had to go back to, maybe they were right, but, uh, so I had to go back to, to appointments several times and they would check this, this hole in my heart and check and see if it was fixed. And, um, I had to go back to these appointments and, um, they said, you know, there's a pretty good chance I won't be able to do high school sports and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's too much, it's too strenuous and I won't be able to do that. And I don't know, how old was I at the last appointment? Do you have any idea? But we went in and they said, you don't ever have to come back. He's fine, right? So, perfectly healed. So, it's another example of God's healing in my life. Another example of what he's done. And we all have, I think we all have testimonies like that. But, we can't let that be discredited. We can't just, you know, I'm sure the doctors did a great job. And maybe God led those doctors and God helped those doctors to do a great job. And that that was what the the product in my life was. But I believe fully that that God healed me. And, you know, I went on to play high school sports and I was pretty successful. Um, so remember what God has done. Another story, this one's pretty um, more recent. So dad and I, um, we go on these backpacking trips and we go hike into high mountain lakes and we fish. And it's one of the things that we love to do. And this last summer we went um, to a place in Wyoming and we're hiking in and we're about 14 miles in, I think, at this point, And we come to a river that there's supposed to be a bridge there and there's not a bridge. It's we found out later they moved it about three miles further upstream, but there's not a bridge where, where we're planning to cross. So we, you know, I'd, we strip down and I go out there and I've got these trekking poles. They're about that tall probably. And I'm, you know, trying to find the shallowest part. Cause it's a, it's a pretty decent sized river and there's a lot of flow going on. And yeah, it's a little cold too. Yeah, it's a little chilly, but so I'm checking, trying to find the best spot and, you know, you start off and it's good. I mean, it's ankle deep where you start and about, I'm about three quarters, maybe even further past that. And it's not even up to my, it's kind of right about knee height, a little over probably. And then my trekking pole, I can't find the bottom anywhere. I mean, I can't, it's deep. I can't find the bottom anywhere. And, and right there's where the current's picking up. Um, which is how a river goes, you know. But it's right along that bank, you know, the, the current's stronger and it's deeper. And so I don't have, we, you know, we have 50 or 60 pound packs. Um, and I don't have my pack on at the time. So I step down in there and it's right about to my chin is how deep it is when I actually get down in there. And um, it's right along the bank. So crossing, it's not going to be, a, it's not going to be great, but it's not going to be a huge deal, you know. We'll get towards close to the bank, and we'll just chuck our packs onto the bank, and then you know walk, go across, and it won't be a problem. And so we get across. It's whatever. We go on, 
get to our lake and we're fishing. We stay there for a little over a week. But the whole time, both of us are kind of like, not sure how we're going to get back across that. Because it's great going that way, but when you've got to come back this way, you've got to go down in that deep part first. So I can't chuck my pack and cross it without that heavy weight. I'd, I'm going to have to cross it with the pack. And so I think we were both, we, we actually met a guy up there that found the bridge. He knew where it was at. But it, all said and done, the, the whole hike um, one way is a little over 20 miles. I think it was about 22 miles. And we were hoping to get it done in one day on the way out. And so if we went to that bridge, it would be about, about another six miles, uh, three, way, three miles one way three miles back um, because it was in the wrong direction. So we kind of talked about it, and we decided, eh, we'll figure it out. So we go to cross the same spot, and I think, I don't know how honest we were with each other about how much this is not going to be fun, but um, we sat down, and, you know, we're taking our boots off, and Dad says a prayer, and he just goes, God, keep us safe, keep our stuff dry, um, protect us as we're crossing this and so i get all my stuff off and i go to start crossing it and i don't have my pack i'm going to take do a test run first to make sure and so i'm on the bank that it's deep and i stick my trekking pole down and i'm expecting to not be able to touch the bottom with it and i hit right away and i'm like what in the world i know i checked this spot i checked all the way up and down that bank because i didn't want to have to cross that deep spot the first time so I check it with my trekking pole, and it's good. So I go a little further, and it's good, and further, and it's good. And we walk all the way across it, and I never went over my hip with water. And I'll tell you what, I know I checked that spot. There's no doubt in my mind that I checked that. And and it was chin deep or a little deeper. It's not actually a spot that we ended up crossing the first time um, because it was deeper than the other spot. And I have no explanation for that you know you could say a bunch of sediment washed in you know it's it's a glacial stream so the glacier was dirty i don't know that's not what happened though it was a week i mean to go from chin deep to hip deep it's not possible um but through the power of god it is and you know that's it's not even a real big deal maybe you know it probably would have turned out fine Maybe, I don't know, but it did because cause God was looking out for us. And um, that's something, I haven't told a whole lot of people about that, but that's a miracle, and I should be sharing that. I should be remembering what God has done. I should tell my kid about that. I should tell the people that I encounter every day about that. I mean, that's incredible, and... I can't let anything manipulate the equation because that's truth. God did that, and that's truth in my life, and I think that's a message for all of us. Remember what God has done. Don't let it be distorted. Don't let the devil deceive you. Remember the truth. Um, so I'm going to go to Rome. We're going to kind of transition from remembrance uh, to Rome or to, to idols. So I'm going to go to Romans. Uh, chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. Now, I already referenced this once. Uh, most of you guys are going to know this one. But Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. So, <clears throat> if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So I I worked I used to work in Kearney, um, and I had a guy that I worked with that I was pretty good friends with. I mean, non-Christian friend, but um, we were we were good friends. And he asked he asked me one day, Trevor, do you think I'm going to go to heaven? And my answer was, you know, in Romans chapter 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he took that and he was pretty, pretty happy about that. He was pretty excited. And he says, that's great. You should tell me a Bible verse every day. And so I did. But that wasn't the really the response that I was necessarily looking for. And so when we read this, you know, my I have the NIV, so it says declare with your mouth. But I think the new King, or the King James and the New King James says confess. That's the way I've memorized it. But that idea of declaration and confession, it's truth. It doesn't matter if you confess something that's not true. If I've got a buddy that committed a crime and I go and I confess that I did it and they can prove that he did it. It doesn't matter what I confess. The truth is he did it, and he's going to face the consequences. Um, so it doesn't matter if we just – it doesn't say, say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It says confess or declare either way. That has to be a declaration of truth. And if that's not truth in your life, you're not doing what that says, right? So if, if Jesus isn't the Lord of the, – the equation to get to heaven is – Jesus is Lord of your life, and you believe that God raised him from the dead. So if you're just saying that Jesus is Lord, but it's not true in your heart, Jesus isn't actually Lord of your life, that starts to question, what are you going to heaven? What, what is your salvation? Are you, do you have salvation? So this idea of lordship is something that's really important. It's not, you know, it's, it's salvation. It really is. Um, so getting right with, with Jesus, making him the Lord of your life is, is really important. And, um, again, I think that we don't see idols as the problem in our lives, but if we really start to look as, at idols as anything that we put before God, anything that is more important, that affects our decision-making, that motivates us more than God, that has the potential to be an idol. Um, so some of the things that I think of is, is money, hobbies, sports, social media, government, other people. And then the big one that I think we struggle with is comfort. Um, and what I mean by that, you know, I, uh, pastor does his Valentine's day deal every year. So we get roses and we go out and tell people that God loves them. And, um, it's that's something that challenges our comfort, right? It's not comfortable to go tell people that Jesus loves them. So this year, <clears throat> I had I got six roses. I was planning to give them to um, the people that that I work with. Um, just give it to them and says God loves you, Jesus loves you, and that's it. And sitting in the pew, that's not a big deal. That seems pretty easy, right? But um, you know, Monday comes around and it's not Valentine's Day yet, so. Uh, 
Not yet. Wait until Tuesday. Tuesday is when I'll do it. So Tuesday comes around, and I hop in the pickup and go to work and forget my flowers. And forget my flowers, right? And then after that, you know, yeah, I could have gone home for lunch and got my flowers. But I got in my head, and I, start, I started thinking, that's going to be awkward. Handing that flower to that guy, that's going to, another man, that's going to be weird. That's, that's going to be very uncomfortable. And handing that flower to my woman coworker is going to be awkward too. I don't want her to get the wrong impression, not that she would, but that's the stuff that you start to think. And I never gave him flowers, and I never did. And that's, God convicted me of that later. I was actually, I've had this on my, on my heart for probably a, a little over a year now. Um, and so it's something that I, that I pray about quite a bit. And when I was praying about it, God said, Am I the Lord of your life, or is comfort the Lord of your life? Because if you can't walk up to somebody and give them a flower and say, God loves you, what's the Lord of your life? If, if that situation is too uncomfortable for you to share me, what's the Lord of your life? And that's, that's tough. But that's the truth. And that's something that I had to deal with, something that I had to ask for forgiveness for. But there's still redemption there. You know, we're talking about, we're doing communion today. And we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. And there's redemption, there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. And so that's, it's not that, it's the forgiveness, the redemption is not a hard part. But changing your life is. Changing and making God the Lord of your life, making, you know, those situations that are uncomfortable that you know God is telling you to share truth, but that's not going to be fun to do. And making the decision that Jesus is the Lord of my life, not comfort, not awkwardness, not any of that stuff. Jesus is Lord over all of that. And, you know, I think we can make good things the Lord of our life. We can make bad things the Lord of our life. I can make my wife the Lord of my life. That's an easy thing to do. I can make the baby that's on the way the Lord of my life. That's not the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Everything comes behind him. All of it. And, you know, if, if you make your kids the Lord of your life, what happens when your kids sin? Are you going to confront that? Or... Are they the Lord of your life, so let it go? If Jesus is the Lord of your life, you have to confront that. So to be a good parent, you can't make your children the Lord of your life, right? Same thing with, with um, marriage. If I make my wife the Lord of my life, being a good husband, you have to put, Jesus has to be Lord. Because it says that... that um, we should sacrifice ourselves for our wife just as Jesus sacrificed himself for the church. And um, in, our, in our own flesh, I would say that's probably impossible to do. I mean, Jesus gave up everything. You know, he humbled himself. He, he came from heaven where he was God. And he became a man. And then he lived a, lived a perfect life 
and died a sinner's death, a horrible death, a torch, you know, on a cross for us. And God says, sacrifice yourself that way for your wife. And if if Jesus isn't Lord, that's not possible. Um, because you, you, you're going to have to give up things that that aren't that are without God's help are going to be really tough to do and you're not going to be the husband that you should be um so good things and bad things um you know money that's the next one we're going to go into um i think that can be you know it it ties back to comfort because with money we can buy the things we want we can drive the vehicle we want we can live in the house we want we can whatever do the things we enjoy with money so it all really goes back to comfort and um, so I'm, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Um, so this is Jesus speaking. Um, and he's, he's talking about money. But what I want to hit is just the very end of it. Um, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I think you can really substitute any word in there. You cannot serve God and anything. There's, if, if you're trying to serve, if you're trying to have more than one Lord of your life, this says you're going to end up hating one and loving the other. And I sure don't want to hate God. Um, so God has to be Lord over everything else. So I shared a an example of where I identified an idol in my life. Um, I've got another example because it can be hard to identify what is an idol and what's not. And I think some things can be important to us and we can mistake that as being an idol. Um, I coach wrestling, junior wrestling. Um, and you know, things are starting to change. They used all our tournaments used to be on Saturdays. You know, we used to almost, we would almost never have a tournament on Sunday. And now there's more and more tournaments on Sundays. And so this was something that I really struggled with. Um, is it okay to coach wrestling? Because I'm missing, I missed church three times this year for wrestling because uh, of tournaments on Sundays. And that was something that I prayed about a lot. Am, am I making coaching wrestling an idol in my life? Because I'm, I'm missing out on church to go coach. And the more I, you know, I prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about it. And finally I kind of came, you know, God kind of gave me an answer and it all comes down to motivation. Um, I didn't want to miss church. I wanted to be here. I wanted to be at church. Um, and coaching is ministry for me. That's, that's part of what God has called me to do as coach. And, um, I have opportunities to meet kids and meet parents and have influence in kids' lives and influence in parents' lives that I don't have outside of that. Um, and so as long as my motivation is I'm doing that to serve God and, and to, um, with, the, with the mindset of ministry, um, to, to share God's love and um, support those kids, then it's not. Um, because my motivation goes back to the Lord of my life, which is Jesus. But if my motivation becomes the glory of me, you know, 
I am so proud because I had three state quali- three state placers this year, and I did such a good job, and blah, blah, blah. That is a different story, right? So motivation has a lot to do with what our idols are. And so I don't think it's a sin to be rich. It absolutely is not. But if your motivation is the glory and what you're and all it all goes back to me pride that that's i would say that's an idol and so that's something that you have to hash out with god um and how lucky are we for communion remembering what god has done so for in the in the idea of remembrance um remembering who god is what Jesus did for us, that he, he died on the cross, um, and that, he, that that paid the price for all sin, that because he rose again, we'll also rise again, remembering that. But when he died, when he took his last breath, the veil was torn, the curtain was torn. And so God's presence isn't constricted to just the temple anymore. You know, we are the temple. It's for all of us. God's presence is for all of us. So we can be guided. We can be directed by by the Lord now. We can we can have prayer, we can have inter, we can communicate with God. And so identifying this these idols, what is and what isn't, really you're going to have to seek God. But we have that opportunity now. It's not just for the Levites to go in there and um meet with God. It's for all of us. So I'd encourage you um as we take communion. Number 1 Remember who God is, what he's done in your life, your testimony, the things that he's done for you, um, and what Jesus has done. We're coming up on Easter. You know, the, the gift of Jesus and what it means for us. Remember that. Um, remember when God healed cancer. Remember all those things. And then um, there's no better time to deal with sin, with idols, than when we're remembering the blood of Jesus. Because it pays the price for all of that. Um, we get to live through Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' salvation as long as we make him the Lord of our life, as long as we believe that God raised him from the dead. And so if you do identify an, an idol in your life, you have the blood of Jesus. You have God's grace. Um, and then you have God's presence and his guidance um, to help you through that and to reestablish Jesus as the Lord of your life. Um, so with that, Pastor, you can do communion. I'll ask if some gentlemen or ladies or whoever can come pass out the elements we'll prepare for communion. You know, as Trevor was talking about the formula, obviously I love that part. Um, And he was saying, get back to the source. Uh, we typically read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with communion. And the words are, Paul says, For I received from the Lord Jesus what I also passed on to you. I don't know how closer to the source we can get. We've got the writings of Paul, who said, I heard from Jesus. He wrote this to the church in Corinth. And so we're getting back as close to the source as pretty much it comes. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So take the heart um, I don't know if you guys, are you playing anything or no? Yeah, you guys can come on up. Um, but as, as, as we're, we're dealing with the elements, take a moment to think. 
Uh, reflect on what God has spoken to you today. Um, are there remembrances that you need? Uh, the good things that God has done and maybe even the corrections that he's brought into your life? Are, are those those things that you have to focus on? As well as, like Trevor said, let yourself wrestle with the reality of, of you. Are there things in you that you have to wrestle through um, because of sin in your life or, or areas in which you haven't been honoring God? Trevor, thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing what God placed on you. Uh, make sure you let Trevor know sometime today, Don't not that he gets a big head, but just that you appreciated him. Um, and I'll say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you remember so you can cast down your idols. May you remember so you can be in his promise. Amen.